Staggy, nice to see you, man. Off the beach early, just quickly caught away and then came straight through. Nice to see you, man. Um, uh, I was very excited to see um, two older men. I don't want to call you old, Mark and Rodney, because you're my age. But just it's wonderful to see two older men with faith saying, God, actually, there's more. And um, it's not about young or old. It's not about having a service for young people and old people and whatever. It's about having, a, having God doing something for all people and us facilitating something for God to do something. So, so really, that's, that's what this is all about. And we are trusting that God is going to galvanize a core team here in the evening that will begin to serve and begin to kind of look after and carry our own weight in the evening. But that will come over time. And uh, some people are asking, can we worry about serving teams and all those things? Oh, we'll, we'll catch up. We, we kind of, we, we guys from the morning are volunteering and being here. And, but eventually we'll have our own serving teams that will kind of, yeah, this, this evening meeting will be able to carry its own weight. So, so I look forward to those days. But in the meantime, we keep, keep preaching Jesus and we keep preaching the kingdom of God. And we trust for that to bear fruit and much fruit and lasting fruit. So... I was off uh, this weekend to a wedding that I did, and it was a wedding of a very dear family friend of ours um, who passed away eight months ago, very, my, my brother's best friend, actually, right the way through school, like they were inseparable, like they used to pretend to their teachers at school that they were gay, <laughs> like they used to kiss each other with tongue, like that kind of stuff. No, it's disgusting. It's very disgusting. They were, that, they were like inseparable. They were like full on like mates together and he got shot and was killed eight months ago. And um, it was a major, major thing for him and a major thing for the family and et cetera, et cetera. And then his, his boy who had just got engaged through that process and also coming back to God, eh? coming um, just really stepping back towards faith, stepping back towards God, asked us to marry him, just marry, marry them. So that's what we did this weekend in a place a long way away, like five hours. But what was amazing, it, it was in a place called Valka Frieden uh, Cherry Farm. And um, it's just this a beautiful um, orchard, rows and rows and rows and rows of apple trees and different fruit trees and I was out there went for a run on Friday and went for another run on, on Saturday and just kind of taking photos and and I thought hey Lord actually you've orchestrated this you put us into a season of fruitfulness and you take us to the other side of the flipping world it feels like to show us what it means to be fruitful and this we took a whole lot of photos and so I really am excited about the season of fruitfulness friends and God speaking to us and saying sing a barren woman you who never bore a child, because more are the, are woman, the children from you than for those that is married, the, the woman that is married. So I trust that that is seeping into our hearts slowly, which is actually what I want to speak about tonight. I want to go back to Mark chapter 4, soil and seed. I want to actually get to the kind of seed we sow, the kind of seed we sow. But before we get there, I, want to, I, do, want to, I do want to speak a little bit. I spoke to the men a bit about the... the the, the heart condition and the soil, which is our hearts. But I do want to put that in again to us as a broader congregation because it is such a key, and I've realized more and more it is such a key, and even being at this wedding, um, major family disruption and division. Sad. 
very, very sad. A whole lot of people that we knew when I was growing up weren't there at the wedding because of the, the family division. And all it is, it's hard hearts. They got harder and harder and harder, and then they said, I will never forgive. I will never say sorry. And then miss your grandson's wedding. So important, the condition of our hearts, the soil of our hearts. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, and some 100 times. Let's go down to verse 13, where Jesus gives the, the, the interpretation of the parable. Then Jesus said to them, in verse 13, don't you understand the parable? How then will you understand any parable? So this is a key parable to understand, heart and seed. The farmer sows the word. So the seed in this parable is the word of God that gets sown. Some people are like seed along the path where the, where the word is sown. As, they, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, the word that was sown in them. So some people are like the path that was hard, and fell on the path, and Satan comes and takes it away. Others like seed on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, because of them living out the word, because of them following the word, because of them following Jesus, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown in good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So that's the parable we're looking at this evening. I want to get to what are we sowing? How are we sowing? Before we get there, I want to look at the four soils. Understanding that the soil of the heart is so profoundly important, friends. Multiple places in the scriptures, Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, a a classic example of this says this, that the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. Something when, when the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart, another text says. So you know what's in somebody's heart by what they say. And you can say, yeah, but I was just joking. I was just, no, it's in your heart. It's very, very indicative of what is in our heart, what comes out of our mouths. Verse 19, but, uh, verse 19 says this, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, etc., etc. For out of the heart come these evil things. And so the heart is profoundly important. And you know that, we know that. That's not kind of a new revelation. And really, if you're a parent, the mandate of a parent is to shape your children's hearts into good soil. 
and then to sow good seed into the good soil. That really is the, the heart of, a, of, of Father God for us. That's the heart of a parent is to shape the soil, is to stir up the soil, make sure it's not hard soil, make sure it's not shallow soil, and make sure it's not distracted soil. But it's soil that's ready to receive the word of God. That's the job of parents. And God here in this parable teaches us about a field that has been recently plowed, ready for seed. Now remember, when they're plowing the field, they're plowing over the paths that the people normally walk. And when they're plowing the field, they're plowing, they don't, they, they kind of just plow it up and you don't understand that maybe the soil's a little bit shallow there because there's rocks underneath. You just plow the whole space. And sometimes they plow over a patch of established thorns, but they just plow it up. And then later on, those thorns are still there and they kind of choke it up. So when, the, when this field is plowed, you don't know there's rocks underneath and you don't know there's thorns there. You just sow the seed and this is what happens. And so this is the picture that we have here. And the first condition of the soil that he talks about is the hard hearts. Because now when people are traveling on their way and even though there's a, part, there's a, a field that's been, path, uh, been plowed, people's tracks are still gonna go the same way. They're still going to go from this place to that place and they're still going to use the same path and then they're going to wear the same path and then when the sower comes to sow seed, it's going to land on those hardened areas that they've walked on. It's not going to get into the soil. And this is the hard hearts. It's the heart that's callous, that's hurt potentially. How do you get a hard heart? You get it from being hurt. You get it from being disappointed. You get it from being familiar. Oh, yeah, I know him. Could never receive anything from that person because I know them too well and I know their family and I know them and I know this. And the familiarity puts a hardness in us sometimes, often. But what's amazing is it says Satan comes and picks it up. So a hard heart opens the heart up to the enemy. We don't want to have a hard heart, friends. We don't want to develop a hard heart. It gives access, it gives ground to the enemy to come and play. You develop a hard heart from sin. The Bible talks in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, that you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Ongoing sin, friends, hardens our hearts. How else do you harden your heart? Unbelief. In John chapter 12, verse 37, Jesus had performed many signs in their presence but they would still not believe in him. And it carries on to say in verse 39 and verse 40 how their hearts were hardened. Ongoing unbelief hardens our hearts. Beware of a hard heart. Repeated disobedience, repeated ongoing disobedience hardens our hearts. What we don't want to do is we don't want to be a people of hard hearts. And we've got to constantly be taking our heart before God with our friends, with our community of close, trusted friends, so that because, you know what, we can't see our hard heart, but others can. And that's why we need friends, and that's why we need community. So that's the first condition, a hard heart. The second one is a shallow heart. This is the rocky places, and there's a little bit of soil there, so it quickly takes root, but then there's no space for the roots to go. 
There's no depth. So when the sun comes out and it now the roots now start to go to the moisture, it can't go there because there's rocks there. This is the picture that it's kind trying to establish. It's rooted, takes root, but it's not rooted at sufficient depth. And what he says is, he says that kind of soil doesn't last long. Hearts like that, when the seed gets planted, it doesn't last long because it just is not rooted deep enough. This is typical of the early excitement of being saved. This is the early excitement of, man, God's amazing, God's good, and then life happens. Often, friends, religion takes hold of people's hearts. Religion, and I'm going to talk about what that means now, gives you a shallow heart. Rather than the gospel taking hold of your heart so that you know who you are and whose you are and you know why you've been put in this place, actually what happens is you get saved into a system of beliefs. It's so important to understand this. It's more important what you get saved into than what you get saved out of. The environment that you get saved into is more important than anything you could have done in your past that would disqualify you. Because everything in your past is dealt with by the blood of Jesus. Everything. But the environment that you get planted into, if it's a religious system, will strangle you and it will shallow you and eventually you'll wilt away and fall away. This is the difference between religion and the gospel. If we could put that little slide up, please. This will produce shallowness in you if, if we get saved in an idea like this. Religion says this, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The gospel says, I'm, accept, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. It's not a set of rules and regulations. And if I fulfill them perfectly, then God accepts me. That's shallowness. You won't last. The second one, this is a Tim, Tim Keller uh, table, if I'm not mistaken. In religion, it, motivation is based on fear and insecurity. In the gospel, motivation is based on grateful joy. We're motivated by the joy that fills our heart by knowing Jesus, rather than the fear or the insecurity that if I don't do this, what's gonna happen to me? In religion, I obey God in order to get things from God. In the gospel, I obey God to get God and enjoy Him. See the difference? It's very subtle. But if you get planted into the religion field, you'll have very shallow roots. And then when the heat comes on and God doesn't give you what you thought He would give you, you wilt away and fade away. Rather than understanding this, God, the, the gospel is I get God. I get to be in the presence of God. I get to be in the throne room of God and I boldly go in there in my time of need to receive the grace and the mercy that I need in my time of need. Hebrews says, in religion, when things go wrong, I'm angry at God or myself since I believe that anyone who is good deserves a comfortable life. I did everything right, Lord. I've, I've done everything. Actually, I, why is this happening to me? This doesn't work, this religious stuff. Shallow soil. 
When things go wrong, the gospel says, I struggle, but I know all my punishment fell on Jesus and that God will take care of me as a father in my trial. God's not punishing me when things go wrong. In fact, God will use those very things that go wrong to grow us into some, into places that we never thought we would grow. But we're not under the punishment of the God. We're under the Father's hand and he will look after us. Lastly, in religion, when I'm criticized, I'm furious or devastated because it's critical that I think of myself as a good person. Threats to that self-image must be destroyed at all costs. In the gospel, when I'm criticized, I struggle, but it's not essential for me to think of myself as a good person. My identity is not built on my record or my performance, but on Christ's record and performance. Shallow soil, deep soil. Much of the church, friends, is in shallow soil. Gotta ask God to help deepen our soil, to remove the rocks so that we can begin to live a life of fullness in Christ and produce a harvest. When you live a life on the religion side, friends, you will, you will take root, but you will not bear fruit that God wants you to bear. You cannot, because when life happens and the heat of the day comes and, and things happen, you will, not, you, you will not get past those things. And so your fruitfulness will come away. But when you live in the grace of God, by the grace of God, because of the Father's heart for you, things happen. Fruitfulness, you begin to bear fruit. The third part, or the third heart, is a distracted heart. This is also, this is good soil. It germinates, the seed germinates. But also in the soil, there's a whole lot of external factors that come into play, which choke the seed and cause it to die. Remember this, friends. A good start to this race doesn't mean a good ending. It's great to start well, but it's how we end that counts. And in all of these, in the, in the shallow and in the, in the second, this third one, in the distracted heart, there's a good start, but somehow, one, it's because the soil's shallow, and this one, because there's other external factors in the soil that choke it out, they don't last. Friends, we've got to go deep with God, and we've got to go deep with people. And we've got to somehow remove the distractions of life so that we can keep our eyes on Him, so that we can become the fruit-bearing plant that, he decide, that He's called us to be. And it says there, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. All things that push Jesus to the margins of our life. And all fears, if you look at their roots. Worries of this life. Man, are there worries in this life? If you, if you just have to look around and open your ears, and there's plenty of worries in this life to distract you and to choke you away from Christ and to harden your heart and to make you cynical about what God is doing in the kingdom of God because it's not happening at the place that we just thought it would happen in the way that we thought it would happen in the place that we thought it would happen in 
we get discouraged. The deceitfulness of wealth. You know, friends, we're most easily deceived when we're most scared. When we've got lots of fear about finances. You know the email or the SMS that comes and says, oh, by the way, you have a long lost cousin or person, and you, or you've just won the, the lotto from the British government, and you've now got 75 million pounds. And you think, oh God, this is my day. <laughs> Even though it came into your junk mail, you still think this is your thing. You see, friends, if you've got a fear of finances, if you're scared, you're gonna get deceived by these things. Deceitfulness of wealth promises you so much. If I can just have it, then I'm gonna be fine. And then lets you down because you don't get what you're looking for. Desire for other things. All of these things, worry, money, and things, push Jesus. They promise you everything that Jesus wants to give you but the shortcut version, and then they push Jesus to the side and they become God, and then what happens is, friends, it chokes the life out of us and we don't bear fruit. And what the most un unbelievable thing about this third soil is you begin to lose your prophetic purpose. You lose your why when you're distracted by money and things and the worries of this life. You forget why Jesus saved me. You forget what Jesus put in me when he saved me and what he has for me and all the words that were spoken about you and to you and all the prophetic promises, etc. All of a sudden those fail, those lay down and all of a sudden money is standing up and shouting. These are the different souls. The good heart is the fourth one. This one hears the word of God. It receives the word of God and begins to bear fruit. 30, 60, 100. We want to be good soil. The soil is unbelievably important. We've got to look and tend for after and look after and steward our soil. Friends, to carry unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts will limit your soil from receiving what God wants to do with you and so limit your fruitfulness. And that's not a, that's not a, those are not empty words. I've seen it over and over and over again. But to be fruitful, you don't just need good soil, you need good seed. And in this text, he says the good seed is the word of God. So when we sow the word of God, when we live by the word of God, when I say sow, I mean, it's not just, it's all the different ways of sowing. Through our actions, through our words, through our thoughts, through our attitudes, we begin to sow something into our own lives and into our own hearts, into the fields of our own being. What you sow will determine your crop. You see, friends, you can study the seed, you can categorize the seed, you can analyze the seed, you can know the seed, or even love the seed, but unless you sow it, nothing will grow. What seed are you sowing? What seed are we sowing? What seed am I sowing? What seed are we sowing? It says there that the farmer takes his seed
he begins to just sow. Seed. You know you can sow seed. Don't look up. Don't look up. Imagine that thing that hit you. No, did some seed hit you, boy? For those at the back there. Don't look up. Don't look up, guys. Don't want to have our bills, our hospital bills. Faith, don't look up. You, what did you say, sorry? You just washed your hair. Imagine, imagine those seeds if you had something fall on you. Imagine if that was the word of God. Imagine truth just hit you. Imagine the prophetic that came straight from heaven hit you and it just bounced off you. It was intended to hit you and for you to receive it for you to accept it, for it to go deep into your heart and then for it to begin to get bare. But actually it just was hard-hearted. Just that, ah. Friends, what are we sowing? Because we sow all the time. Every day we sow. When you get up in the morning, you sow. When you pick up your phone, and you go to Twitter or X or whatever it's called, and you go to your social media, Instagram, you start sowing. You're really starting to sow into your own heart and into your own life. And then you go to work, and then you begin to sow. What are we sowing? The Bible says, if you sow the word of God, if you sow truth, it will never return void. It will always accomplish the purpose for which it was sown. Because God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. If we sow something other than what's in the word of God, we sow our thoughts in our ways, not his thoughts in his ways. What are we sowing? How are we sowing? Is the question I want to leave us with tonight. Are we sowing God's word, friends? Are we, are we imbibing? Do we still believe God's word is important? Do you believe this Bible is still read, worth reading? Because if it's not sowing, if you're not sowing that into your heart, friends, you're not going to produce the fruitfulness or be fruitful like God wants us to be fruitful. What about sowing? Do you sow Jesus? The difference between the religious table and the gospel table is Jesus. Do we sow Jesus into our own lives all the time? The gospel of grace, the new covenant blessing of Jesus, do we sow that? And do we sow that? In, and then do we treat people with the same grace that, he received, that we received from him? Do we, do, we, do we treat our husband or wife with gospel grace? We treat them like 
They don't deserve to be treated. Well, it's not dependent on behavior. It's dependent on grace and love. Do we sow time? Are we sowing time with him? Are we sowing time with valued people? Are we sowing time into what values God values the most? Are we sowing time into what God wants to do in the life of the church? Are we sowing time? Because we are sowing time, it's just where we're sowing it might be different. Are we sowing time? I've got such an expectation for us to see an unbelievable harvest over this next season. Are we sowing faithfulness? Are we sowing faithfulness in everything that we do? Whether we're at work, whether we're at our families, whether we're in church, are we just being faithful with God, what God's given to us? Are we sowing patience? I know it's difficult to be patient. But you want to be patient. Sow seeds of patience. And then we start to reap a harvest of patience. Remember, we sow it in seed form. We don't sow it in its finished form. We sow seed. And then the seed hits our ground. It's a process of growth. But are we sowing? If you don't sow, you won't reap. What about friendship? Are we sowing friendship? Are we sowing forgiveness? Are we sowing finances? Are we sowing finances? Are we being generous with our finances? Friends, are we, being, are we sowing words? I tell you what, there was a moment this weekend because obviously two families come together that don't really know each other and that's kind of a destination wedding so you're kind of all together in a venue that's miles away from anywhere. And then a little bit of tension between the families. And I just felt we'd taken some gifts for the two moms. And I just felt this one mom, she was living a very unbiblical lifestyle. I just felt God say she needs honor. She needs to be valued. She's never been valued by a man before. So I took the moment in the wedding and I gave her the gift. And I just began to speak words, so words, of value over her life. Hey, she just started weeping with tears. Nobody's ever spoken value to her, ever. And what's amazing is after that moment, like kind of the tension between the families dissipated and everybody was kind of together. But friends, are we sowing encouragement? Are we sowing praise? Are we sowing honor? Are we sowing value? Or are we sowing criticism? And complaining? and grumbling and gossip because if you sow that stuff you'll get a harvest but it won't be a cool one won't be a good one 
You'll get one of division, divisive, all the stuff that you don't want. What are you sowing? Do you know that with everything that you do, you sow? You're sowing something. Be careful with what you're sowing. And don't give up sowing. Even in tough seasons, sow good seed. Because that good seed will eventually bear fruit. Might not be in the tough season you're in now, but there is another season coming and it will bear fruit. If you put that seed in good soil, it will bear fruit. Are you sowing prayer? Are you sowing love and care? What are we sowing? Is my question to us tonight. God wants to deal with our hearts so that we don't have a hard heart, don't have a shallow heart, and we don't have a distracted heart. But more than that, he also wants to make sure that what we are sowing is good seed. And if you want to know if it's good seed or bad seed, go to the scriptures, and anything that you can see in the scriptures is what Jesus would have done, or what Jesus did, or what God would have you do, that is good seed. It will bear fruit. It will work. When you sow truth, it works. It's not something that's out in the ether because it's spiritual and mystical. It works. It bears real fruit. I want to encourage us tonight to sow good seed. And when you sow good seed in good hearts, something happens. You know what happens, friends, so often with us, with our families, with our, whatever we are in our gatherings, and there's little moments that get created. There's little moments of vulnerability. There's little moments of, I don't know, they kind of just open up and the ground suddenly becomes fertile. Suddenly, the, 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 it's like suddenly there's good soil there. It's like it wasn't there before and there's a little moment that happens. And God, I think, opens those up prophetically. And what we can easily do is just laugh it off or move it off or, ah, yeah, whatever, you know, and carry on with our thing. Or we can recognize that and find the seed and throw some seed in there and allow God to do something with it. And all of us have got different ways and different forms and different measures of seed and different things that we, and, and spheres that we can sow into. For me this weekend, it was at a wedding. I was sowing into that couple. And I was sowing into those moms. And I was trusting God that I was sowing into the congregation that was there. But all of us have a different field to sow into, whether it's at work or wherever it is. Don't miss the opportunities to sow. Because you think, oh yeah, you know what, it's gonna look stupid or just boldly sow. If it's good seed, what's the worst that can happen? Can we just stand for a moment? Just I feel like God, I feel like God has sown some things into some people's hearts. And the enemy hasn't robbed it from you. 
but you've somehow disqualified you from the thought of that seed-bearing fruit. Or you've not acted upon it. You've not with faith taken that thing that God has said and actually stewarded it and watered it and just trusted God with it. Some of us have allowed our hearts to get hard. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd both deal with the condition of our hearts and our soil but at the same time, Father, put incredible seed in our hands, Lord. You can do both at the same time. And I pray, Lord God, that this church would become a fruitful field of all sorts of fruit, Lord God. But I pray, Lord God, that every single person here, Lord God, would sow seed into every environment that they are in, Lord. And that they would see kingdom life come through their hands and through their lives, Lord. And in doing that, they would shape their own hearts, Lord, and expectations. For some of us, we put aside the promises of God. And we thought, now that's a bypass season. I want to tell you, friends, the truth of the word of God always bears fruit in season and out. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing, Lord. We bless you, we honor you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would just multiply the seed in our hands and you would deepen the soil of our hearts profoundly, Lord God. Even for those that are going through hectic moments right now, Lord. Give us grace. Let us live in the gospel version of that column, Lord God, not in the religious version of that column, Lord, of that table. Thank you for that in your amazing, amazing name. Amen.